the first step is get the process down as to what it is you want and when you want it. So in our case, with our type of work, which is heating and air conditioning, we I've separated things out so that we have an indoor task and we have outdoor tasks. And then we have an attic task. And so that's kind of segregated by location first. All right, so getting your operations staff to do things the way you want them to, the right way, to your standards with attention to detail is freaking difficult. We can all agree. But making that happen is the key to growing. If you can't control your production and quality, the only thing you're going to grow and scale up is problems, not profit. Which reminds me, if you haven't downloaded the Scalable Method Framework, look for that after this episode. Now, for today's episode, I've got Mike Nikolai of Triton Air joining me, and we get into talking about how he gets staff to do things to their standards and how they keep tabs on it. As always, if you have any questions for my guest or myself after you're listening to this episode, head on over to the Contractor Momentum Lounge Facebook group and drop a new post. Now let's jump into it. Mike, man, it is now July 2nd. We are halfway through the year. I can't freaking believe it that we are in June lie. That's what I call it at this point because I always want to start off saying, you know, it's been a good June, but or it's been, you know, we're in June or whatever's going on in June, but we're really in July at this point. We're two quarters of the way through into the third quarter. How are things shaping up for you out there in San Clemente? It's right now. Things are good. COVID's starting to creep back up, which is creating some challenges with staff and and also emotion, but you know we're in a good place right now. We've we've done very well for the year. We're five percent below budget, which is just awesome. So essentially, we're five percent over last year, which is I can't even believe it. It's amazing. So your budget was set to go up ten percent. You're over at five percent. So you're five percent under the budget. Yep. So I'm just super. I'm tickled, man. I the team's been working hard and and. You know, we've had a lot of a lot of absences and a lot of different things come up with guys taking off work and things like that for COVID. And even through all of that, we're still where we're at. It's just fantastic. That's it's good to hear, been, man. It's not been easy, but it's, it's no, it certainly hard. hasn't. Certainly, certainly hasn't been easy. I mean, are you guys staying <laughs> uh, staying in stock with the N95 masks? Yeah, yeah, we're doing good. We're doing great with the masks and all the personal protective gear. So we're doing good, you know, so it's, it's been encouraging, you know, when, you know, it's one thing to be getting hit and hammered by this and not have something positive to look at. And so that's been a real blessing for us. And it's, it makes it much easier for me to go to the team and go, Hey, we're in a good place right now. We're in a great industry and this is the best industry that you could be in during a situation like this, besides being a nurse or something like that. I mean, we're in a good place. Home services, we're in a good place right now. So absolutely, we got to absorb those positives and and keep them top of mind because otherwise, you know, we get hammered down and next thing you know, our shoulders are slumping and we're... Shoulders are slumping and business is crumbling. Yeah. Can't have that. Anything besides COVID going on out there for you guys? We're also looking, we're in escrow right now for a new building. So... Okay. And we're, we're kind of doing it a little bit different. It's, you know, some people, we're fortunate because of where we're at. So we have, we're in a condo. So basically what we've done is we'd, we've been able to expand the condos side by side, which works out really, really well. So we're not having to uproot ourselves and expand. We can just stay where we're at. We have our infrastructure. We've got everybody where they're seated. 
everything like that. So you're so, buying the next industrial condo unit next to you guys, next to what you have now. That's it. And so that's what's great. I love it. I mean, if things go really bad, we can always shrink back down and not have to go and just go through a massive disruption. So absolutely it's working out. Yeah, it's working out really, really good. Yeah. So how much space, you know, do you guys have now and how much will you have, you know, in the next well couple of weeks, I guess, when you close on the, the new space? Yeah. So we're crammed right now. We've 10 pounds of sugar in a five pound bag. We've got, we're right now we're about, I don't know, 3,500 square feet. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And small. <laughs> it's small, especially for our revenue, you know, we're, yeah. um, we're aiming at 10 million this year. So, I mean, it's, we're crammed in here. So as far as doing the expansion, it's definitely needed. And the expansion is going to add another 2,000 square feet. And we're excited to be able to now create some inventory on equipment, which is going to actually provide discounts because we're able to make larger purchases. So that was going to be my next question is what are you yeah. planning to do with the extra space other than, I mean, you know, you've got your operation, which is a good size operation right now, crammed into 3,500 square foot, but you guys make it happen. You know, so obviously there needs to be a plan for the additional space and sounds like you're planning to start stocking more inventory. Yeah. So that's what we're using this space for. So we've got, we've got three different warehouses now, basically that are side by side and the segregation actually helps us between the suites because we can kind of assign what they're for. So one, the middle one is for our major inventory that we go through a lot. So that's where, that's where most of the action takes place. Then the new suite is going to be for equipment only that we're going to inventory. The benefit of that is, is we get pretty good sized discounts up to uh, sometimes 18% on purchases. And if we pay, you know, we don't, we don't use the extended terms. We can get, we can get that money back. And that money right there actually is going to help because it'll pay for that new space for six months just with one purchase. So if I do two purchases through the year for inventory, my my mortgage is more than covered for that extra space. And it's going to free us up for additional office space and things like that. Yeah, so I mean, that's like a win-win across the board. You're getting extra space for growth, extra space for your staff, freeing up the space. You're taking a discount on the inventory, which is effectively going to cover the mortgage payment on it. I mean, damn it, this just sounds like a win all the way around. I don't see what the downside is. Yeah, we're digging it. It's working out really, really well. You're you're probably wondering, why didn't I do this five years ago? Yeah, well, (laughs) the the space came up for sale. I jumped on it. It's it's definitely a good opportunity for us. We're excited about it. We have the third space that I was going to share with you, and that's that's a staging area. So we have a staging warehouse for staging jobs. We have an inventory warehouse, which is kind of in the middle. And then we have an equipment inventory warehouse. So it's kind of split up into thirds. So that's, that's a good way. It's a good way of using it. Let's put some numbers behind things here. Roughly how much you guys purchase in inventory a year. So we can kind of get an idea of exactly, you know, how much you're going to be saving. Yeah. So with our main vendor, we purchase about $1.8 million in equipment with them. So, you know, with a $200,000 order right there, that pays six months. So as long as we do about $400,000 in equipment a year, it pays for the space. So, you know, if we expand that purchase and do $600,000, now we're actually making money on the discounts. That's providing that we can turn that inventory. So you're saying that you're, you're spending about $1.8 million annually on materials. Yes. And you're going to be inventorying about four hundred dollars annually. Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. That's and then, correct. and then that that is that before or after the discount? That's before discount. Before discount. So then you effectively get you know four hundred. Well, you said eighteen percent. So on that, that's going to put you at what roughly seventy two thousand or so. Exactly. Seventy two thousand in savings on inventory now that you've got this space the unit rough terms how much is it is it worth in market value that you're acquiring it's about six hundred thousand dollars about six hundred grand so well i'm not you know i'm not really familiar with exactly what the lending terms are with regards to sba for acquisition but i believe they're 20 year notes am i correct on that this one's 25 years and the sba's got a really good program going right now i think it's the 7a i want to say and actually, if we get everything cleared by, I think it's September 25th, something like that. September 21st. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. The SBA will actually pay the first six months of the mortgage. It's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> we'll take that. Yeah, and you we'll know, on a, on a 600K 25-year note, I would guess that your monthly payment on that mortgage would be at probably 3,800. That's about right. Yeah. Right around four grand. Yep. The interest rates are they're really good right now too. So I mean, so you're you're just absolutely gonna crush it, man. I love this move and I wish you would have came up with it five years ago, man, because it would have yeah. put you a light year ahead of yeah. you know where you are. Not that not that you are lagging, you know, by any metric. You've got a great operation. I've got nothing but good things to say, you know, and props to give you on how you run things. But this sounds like a great move. And for those of you guys out there listening to this, you know, there's something to be said here for taking advantage of these kinds of things and owning the facility as opposed to renting it. And I know a lot of people are risk adverse and, you know, are not so motivated to do this and not so motivated to grow. But when you kind of adapt that mindset and you open your mind up to these things and, you know, mind you, I'll be the first one to say, I'm not the most risk savvy person. I'm more on the, you know, on the risk adverse side, you can really, really, really build some equity and build room to grow in your company here, just as you've done, Mike. Well, and additionally, this is, as everyone likely knows, I mean, this is an investment for my future and my family's yeah. future. So, you know, instead of paying someone that I don't know, I at least am throwing some money in the bank. Yep. If you're renting, it's all a loss, period. Absolutely. If you're buying, you have a chance of winning. Yeah. When you're renting, I'm not quite clear what the chance of winning is. <laughs> something to think about. That is very clear. And, you know, I'll tell you in Gulf Coast Aluminum at R2 Operations, we did not own those. I'd kind of, you know, poked around at buying them. But I got to say in my area here, I look at annual yield as the big number that I look at. And, you know, for the cost of rent, what percentage of buying it is it? And I mean, we, it was just, you know, five to $6,000 a month at one of our locations to rent it. But to buy it, I tried talking to the owner about buying it and he wanted like five to six million. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and I, I just couldn't really wrap my head around those numbers at, you know, at that relatively small rate. So that is one thing to keep in mind. But yeah, if you can, you know, if you can get the right, you know, if you can get some fair numbers, I should say, and it's hard to say what was fair for my space because we were located in a prime area where we were and it was a highly sought after area, you know, and we had gotten in early with a long-term lease. And I think that our lease, quite frankly, was undervalued at that point. You know, and the owner didn't realize it. We didn't realize it. We, we kind of snagged up a really good lease because there's no other spaces in that place that were leasing for that rate. And subsequently, you know, when we went to approach the owner to buy it, 
his price was on the high side and there was you know nothing else for sale because just space was that limited there so I never really had that option but that is something that I would certainly look towards in the future let's shift gears here into one of the big things I wanted to hear from Mike on and that is someone in the Facebook group posted that they just have trouble getting their staff to do things the way they want them done and this is you know straight up management and delegation in a broad sense right how do you get your staff to do things the way they've got them done I've seen Mike's operation and his guys are second to none when it comes to doing things clean doing things right doing it right the first time and minimizing callbacks and really following the processes and steps that Mike has laid out and that's a that's a huge step is just laying out the process and the steps for you guys but Mike your team has done an incredible job of actually doing that why don't you give us the overview here and share with us insight into how you make this all happen and how you get your guys to really knock things out and do things the right way yeah so I I would say as far as the mechanical end of things we definitely have processes that are put in place. Now, I'm blessed because I came from the mechanical side. So I know the ins and outs of the industry. So if you don't have that, you're going to want to collaborate with someone on your team who's the best, basically, and find out the best steps to start with. And really what we've done is we've leveraged technology to have technology work for us. I mean, with, with mobile phones now, it's, it's just so easy so it really comes down to a checklist, forms, and proof thereof. And then on the back end is going to be holding people accountable and checking those forms. So, you know, the first step is get the process down as to what it is you want and when you want it. So in our case, with our, our type of work, which is heating and air conditioning, I've separated things out so that we have an indoor task and we have outdoor tasks. And then we have an attic task. And so that's kind of segregated by location first. So you've got a task list for each location when somebody's replacing the unit or the system. It's one form, but it's segregated into different sections. And so the sections are segregated by location. And the reason for that is, is you don't want your guy going from, you know, over here and having to fill out part of the form and then going back over here to part fill out another part of the form and then back this way, back this way. So instead, you've got the person that's, it's a natural flow through the job and they're able to do it. It's not too cumbersome because you don't want to make it a pain because you want people to understand it and accept it and do it willingly and happily. So, you know, you want to minimize it because I know when the first form I did, it was overkill. And, you know, if you're familiar with Google Forms, that's a great place to start. It's free and you can create systems that require people to do certain tasks. So for instance, and we have this through our sales process, we have this through our internal processes for processing the job. And then we also have it for the end result process, which is doing the installation work and the QC. So, you know, we have the process all the way through with these forms and it just what ends up happening, unfortunately, and this is just human nature, is everybody's been taught different ways of doing it, and they all have their own ideas on ways of doing it, and that's fine. But you know, if you've got your way that you you have tried and true, and this is the way you want it, then put it in writing. And a great way of doing that is with a digital form, such as Google Forms. 
So let's try to, for our listeners out there, kind of you know visualize this because we're talking about forms, putting it in writing, etc. You know, and how that ties into quality. And I, what I'm taking away from this here is that you're basically putting your quality standards into a form that is intended to be started at the top when somebody shows up to start a project or maybe start an estimate if you're you know working through a form there they start at the top work their way through the actual form and this is on like a online in some way it's in some way in the cloud yeah absolutely so we're utilizing pictures are amazing i know a lot of people that have used video very very successfully and it works, it works amazing because there's so much information there that you can get. If there are certain dimensions that you need that are absolutely, so right now we're coming up with, this week we're coming up with some non-negotiables for our sales team. And those non-negotiables are, I need this measured every time, no matter what. I need this measured every and time. And then they enter no that into the form. They will enter those things. They're required, they're required pieces and what we've experienced is, unfortunately, is sometimes people get lazy or they get up bad habits or whatever, and they might say, oh, I forgot to make that measurement. Oh, well, I'll just put 36 inches. And then for gate clearance, let's say, and then we get out there and it's actually 30 inches and the unit's 32 inches wide. So there's things like that that can happen. And so now we're escalating it with our team to make it so that there's non-negotiables and the consequences are pretty severe. And if they don't give those exact measurements, and we don't make it complicated, just keep it simple. If they don't give those exact measurements for those certain things, then it's no go. They're, they're not going to get their bonus or something is going to cause pain for them. So yeah, the digital format is, is a great way to go with through the whole thing. And again, you can, what's one cool thing you can do with digital forms is a lot of people have how-to guides. And they want things done a certain way. And so not only with the digital form are you going to create a flow and you're going to create standards, but in that, when there's like a question like, hey, take a picture of this or do this task, under that task, you can add notes to how to do the task. You can add links to the instruction manual on that task. You can add any kind of detailed information the manual for the thermostat or something in the form itself so that people have all the information they need to do what it is that they need to do. And there's really no excuses. Right there in front of them. Yeah, it's right in front. It's in your, it's in right. And then, you know, part of the form here is, you know, from what you're saying is, you know, you're kind of good. They're going through it. They can enter in, you know, dimensions or information. I would guess that they can check things off and just kind of confirm that it's done. And then they can also upload pictures or videos visually showing what has been done. 100%. So what are some of the things on like your AC system install list? Like just kind of walk us through some of the things that are included on there. Yeah, for sure. So the very first thing that we do on any job is we go around the property and look for property damage wherever we're going to be working. And so the team goes around and takes photos of any property damage before we even start. And then you you have a line item in there that says, you know, upload pictures of property damage, you know, and then underneath of that, do you have a, is it just upload the pictures of property damage or, under, and underneath of that, you have something that says, you know, I have walked the property and it is all damage has been documented that they have to check off on. 
at the end of the form that it states that they have to sign off that they've done all these things. So we have okay. to sign off on the form at the very end. Okay. And again, I try not to be too like make it too difficult because then it, it becomes more of an annoyance. So if we get the photos and we know that they've done this throughout the whole form and they're, they're signing it and they're saying they've done it all. So regardless of what point in the form, if something didn't happen, their signature's at the bottom. And that's yes. good enough. That's good enough for me. But, you know, teach his own, whatever. So that's where we start is just, you know, looking at the property. And then the next thing would be confirming the equipment and the capacity of the equipment. So we don't want to put the wrong size equipment in, which can happen. And so we have them take pictures of the existing equipment. We take, have them take pictures of the existing model numbers. Even if the sales team before did it, I'm going to have them do it again because that information really protects us against a complaint where someone says, you know, my system doesn't cool the same anymore or something like that. We've got the documentation showing them, hey, this is what you had. This is what we put in. Here's the load calculations to demonstrate that as well. So we've got a lot of different ways to protect ourselves. And then really from there, it's a process and, you know, when you're talking with other contractors, you hear the horror stories yes. of things that go bad. Protect yourself with this form. So for instance, I know another contractor who, you know, it ended up costing tens of thousands of dollars because of a natural gas leak on a new install. So what we do is we, we require fluorescent soapy bubbles on every single fitting in the photos. Wow. You have to have it. If you don't do it, you're going to get written up. And if it happens again, you're really, you may lose your status. You may, we may have to reassign you to a different company. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there are certain standards that we're not negotiating on and and safety standards is definitely one of them. So that's, that's a really important part to include in your form besides the, you know, how you want something look too. like, like I shared, you can put these notes into the form as to how you want it done. Just put them in there. So you're using these forms for all aspects of your business. How did you first start making them? Or if, if you wanted to start from scratch, you know, what does somebody need to do to start making their own job standard forms? You know, I think, I think really the, the first step is just creating an outline of the, of the job. I love outlines. That just helps me organize my thoughts. So again, I'd start with structuring the job out indoor, outdoor, or, you know, first level, second level, whatever it is that your job has, whatever steps occur. So for instance, like on a, on a service call, you could say, okay, what are you going to do to prepare for the job? What are you going to do when you enter the job? What are you going to do? What equipment are you going to check first? What are you going to check next? How are you going to finish the job with the customer? And And how are you going to depart? You can put all those things in the form as a flow and you put it as an outline first and then find a software that works for you. So we use Service Titan, which is a great, great software tool that has actually digital forms built in. It's not very powerful forms, but I know they're, they're working on improving that. Google Forms is a free, free software that you can use. If you have a Gmail account, you've got access to Google Forms. So go for it and and get in there and use it. There's tons of YouTube videos on how to do it. And then also we've used a company called Fast Field, F-A-S-T, Fast Field, and they are a form creator. 
and it's a more robust form and it, it can create smart forms and things like that. Fast field. Yeah, I'll have to check into that one. I have heard of jot form and that was something that you know we, we were using and ultimately what we would do is we would include a link to the appropriate form on the service ticket in our CRM because we weren't using service Titan where the forms are built in, right? So we had a you know a separate CRM that had an app, but we couldn't do this form and upload things and attach things to that. We would make a form using jot form and it was like 20 bucks a month and we really only needed like six or seven forms for our business, you know, for our major scopes of work. And then we would attach, or not attach, we'd include the link to that form on the kind of job profile in the app so that when our technicians would show up and start the job, then they just click to the form and just work right through the form. So let me ask this question, Mike, how often do you have to update the forms? Not very often, you know, it's, it's, you kind of set it and forget it. You know, certain, certain times there'll be little aspects of change, perhaps a code changes or something of that nature. But for the most part, once it's set up, it's done. And it's really quick and easy to get in there. That's another nice thing about the digital forms versus using a paper form is, you know, you go with the paper form, you got to reprint it. You got to reprint it. You got to, then you got to go find all the old paper ones in somebody's truck. And then just when you think you're done with them, two months later, somebody hands in, you know, the old form and you were like, where in the hell did you find this thing? (laughs) Or or there's a catastrophe. And so you say, well, you know, that's on the form. How did you miss that? And then they come back and they say, no boss, that's not on my form. You know, they're pulling, (laughs) they're pulling out this three month old form and you're like, okay, we had a meeting about the new form. Yeah, no, digital forms. You know, paper is better than nothing, but digital is the way to go. And we started with paper and, you know. Yeah, so I I was going to ask, I mean, you know, or not what I I was going to ask because I did ask what I wanted to, but, you know, I think in the beginning you probably had to update them, I don't want to say frequently, but a few times, you know, and then. Oh, yeah. And, And another important thing that you're bringing up, you know, as far as updating is getting your team. We talked about, you know, possibly getting someone that's really sharp who knows the process very well, getting collaborating with them. But what's really important too is getting your collaborating with your team. So anytime we create a form, we would go over it with the team and get buy-in with them, get ask them questions. What do you think about this? That was going to be my next that? topic is how do you get buy-in from the team if you yeah. haven't used forms before? And I had to go down this road many years it's ago. Hard. You know, and you're busting out forms on a technician that has gotten very comfortable not using a form and does not want to use your form. You get a lot of pushback and a lot of feedback. Definitely. And once you build the form into your culture, and that's just the way you do business, exactly. and everybody's using it, you know, it, it it rolls smoothly. But you know, what did you do to actually kind of build the buy-in and get the buy-in? That's the biggest thing is really just sharing with them. Hey, you know what? First of all, we want to be the best. You know. We don't need to be the biggest, but we need to be the best. And in order to be the best, we have to have checklists and we have to have quality control, period. No exceptions. You want to be part of the best team? This is what it takes. So that's number one, just getting their mindset on, hey, this is what excellence looks like. And then the next thing is, is getting their involvement with the creation and getting their feedback. And sometimes the guys bring up, guys or girls, they'll bring up great ideas or say, hey, you know. Mike, this, this really doesn't apply to this circumstance very often. Can we just like not use that? And it's like, sure, that, that's fine. If it's a one-off and it doesn't make sense, I know when I was doing it, it made sense, but now it's different. Yeah. Fine. So we'll, we can modify the form or we can consolidate things. And oftentimes that helps, you know, instead of taking three pictures, oh, you just take one and it, it takes care of the whole thing. 
Video is another thing that you can do consolidation very easily and get a lot of information all at once. The only concern with video that I have is now, you know, someone's got to watch the entire video <laughs> when they're QCing. And that's another very important part of this process. You know, we can get forms all day long and do this, but if you don't have someone checking in and checking the work, then a lot of the form part is, it's almost pointless because essentially you can put, you can put things in writing. You can have forms, you can have all these different technology things, but if you don't have somebody communicating and holding people accountable, they're just going to keep doing, they'll, they'll do it for a month and then they'll and start then it, up. Yeah, the, and then the bad habits will start habits. creeping back up. Yeah, they'll just do it. I mean, it's just human nature. Yep. So, you know, it's okay. It's nothing, you know, we try not to get too excited about it and it's just more, you know, at that time, it's like you take a couple steps back let the emotion out. Just like, this is just black and white. You did it or you didn't do it. You didn't do it. Okay. This is what, this is what happens when you don't do it. So sign here and let's not do that anymore. Sign here. Let's not do it. Have a meeting with your staff and kind of remind them of why and exactly what needs to happen you know? in the form. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you guys out there listening that are always like, well, my guys always do something new, right? Because I always hear this, like my guys screw up in some new way every single time, right? And I, I've been down this road. The ways that your employees, when they're out in the field, in your vehicle, at your customers' homes, the way they, the ways they can screw up are very creative and infinite, I will say that. But Absolutely. Yeah, when you start using the kind of form-based system, you need to be open-minded that you're going to have to adapt it and kind of change it the for the you know for probably the first few months. But eventually, you start putting these checks on the form. You know, make sure the job site is cleaned up and all big gulp cups are removed. I'm sure you've had a problem with big gulp cups in your career. Right? <laughs> like, I've had that conversation with homeowners. Like everything was great, but your guys left a big gulp cup on my windowsill. And like, oh my god, <laughs> big yeah. gulp cups will be the death of me. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so anyways, you know, then you add that to your, you know, to your form and your checklist, hey, job site has been cleaned up and is free of big gulp cups. Let's see, what are some other ones? We've had screws in pool, right? Okay, well, now you got to add something to the list. You know, pool has been cleaned of screws using our magnetic tool and verified, right? Add that and, and you know, you kind of keep adding those things to it. And, you know, you'll probably get from the time you make your first form, to the time that you're finally done with it, you probably add 10 little checkpoints. But then after that, you know, the things really become kind of, I don't want to say immaterial, but you've kind of gotten, you know, the, you've trimmed the hair of the baloney out. You know what I mean? 100%. Kind of gotten past that. And you'll find that all these things that were really firestorm-ish for your business are kind of quelled because, you know, you're making the checkpoint kind of a not making it kind of, you are making it an integral part of your business. Quick question. How would you like to work with me to develop these checklists and processes for your business? Checklists like what we're talking about here are just one small piece of the scalable method framework. And behind the scalable method framework is the opportunity to work with me personally to implement it in your business. If you want to get your business into a position of scale, stop worrying about babysitting staff and get your numbers in line, the scalable method is for you, specifically residential contractors with 5 to 30 employees. Look for a link somewhere around the podcast player to get the framework in the explainer video, learn the method, and then the options for working with me through the process. If you can't find it, drop a post in the contractor Momentum Lounge or reach out to me directly. Now let's get back to it with Mike. 
a couple cool things too with install. If you guys are doing installation and maybe there's an older person that has a lot of experience, but it's no longer in the field. Some companies will hire an individual just to QC part-time. And because everything's digital, they can even do it from home. Yep. And they can flag issues, send it to the manager, and it's a done deal. So that's one option for QCing. But again, I can't emphasize enough the importance of the back end on the office and just making sure that that's that those forms are being looked at and and checked because otherwise it's it's pointless. It'll only work for a month and then you're going to be pretty close to back to where you were without that accountability. And it doesn't take much, you know. So that's that and then and then also one other thing I'd like to share is is one thing we do is we email the form to the client on the installation quality. So that's that's part of our process and one of the things we share with them on the front end when we're selling the job is I want to let you know that you're going to get a full report of every little step of the way with photographic evidence that we're installing a system to code and to the manufacturer specifications. It's a very nice touch point. Yeah. And it just shows them. Yeah. It shows them we're not, we're transparent. We're not hiding anything. We're not taking any shortcuts. We're doing it right. And you're getting what you're paid for. So it works out really well. So just to kind of jump back here and I'm going to kind of recap this based on what I've heard. If you want to get, you know, you want to start this process of getting forms in place, you know, the Mike Nikolai system here to make sure that quality is what you want it to be. I would say start with, pick one service, right? Just start simple, pick one service, whatever your bread and butter is, whatever you do the most of, or maybe whatever is giving you the most headache. Map this out, you know, just scratch it out, the outline of the process, and maybe what you need to check kind of at each little point along the way and what your tolerances or your thresholds are if you're, you know, in a mechanical trade or even if you're in, you know, a trade that involves cutting like framing or screen enclosures, which is sub kind of incidental to framing or related to framing. So map it all out, put down what everyone needs to check, and then in some way get this into a digital format, whether that's maybe make a Google form a program I used was called JotForm, J-O-T form. What was the other one you mentioned, Mike? Like Excel form or fast form? Fast field. Fast field. So fast, fast field, field, that might be one to look into too. And if you're a Service Titan user, it's built into Service Titan, the forms. So create the form, have a meeting with your staff on how to use it, right? And you know how they find it, exactly what you're looking for so that they know what to do and go through and then get them doing that. And then subsequently on the back end, follow up, check on the forms, make sure they're being done. And as problems come up, add stuff to the form or subtract stuff to the form. So be a little bit flexible. And, you know, I think in my experience, what I've seen is, you know, past two or three months out on it, your form pretty much stays the same. The first couple of months you make some tweaks and it stays the, stays the same. So would you agree with me on that, Mike, that that's kind of the yeah, best that, method of approach to getting this absolutely going? Absolutely. A thousand percent. I think you, I think you nailed the outline on, on how to move forward with it. And again, with these forms, not only are you making sure that the team is doing what they're supposed to be doing, you're getting the evidence to protect you as well from liability situations because you have photographic evidence of certain quality standards that you're following. And also you're creating systems so that your team has the information that they need because you can include that information into the form 
with hyperlinks and links to websites where or YouTube videos, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, you so you can hyperlink, you can put the links so, to the YouTube videos in there on how to do it. Put all that in and it's all in one place. That's the cool thing is you, you don't, you know, there's system, you can make this an operational handbook at the same time. So it's, it's pretty cool. And on top of that, it also doubles as a training rubric for your new guys that are coming through. Yeah. Because yep. now this is not just, hey, take Jim out in the field and teach him how to install a system in the next two months. This is, okay, teach Jim how to go through this form and let Jim know that in three or four weeks, he's going to have a test on this form. Yep. And yep. you can put that all together. So it kills so many, I don't want to say it kills so many birds, but it's just, I was going to say it kills a lot of birds with one stone, but yep. I don't know if that's the right metaphor. I just think it's absolutely <laughs> vital yep. to have it ingrained in your business like that and once you once you kind of implement the standard checklist in the form into your business you really you know you'll, you'll really see the value in the fact that you're actually getting people to do what you want them to do yeah absolutely 100 percent, Corey. yeah so i would ask you mike if there's anything else on management and delegation that you'd like to share but we're about out of time so let me jump to it you know, when we do our next podcast, we'll probably do another podcast before one year from now. I was going to say, when we do another podcast next year. We'll probably do one before then. I, I know because we've got a few topics I want to cover. When or when, what would be the next step for Triton Air and where are you going to be at in business? Next step for Triton Air? What's in the pipeline, man? What do you got up your sleeve? What's coming up? Really just we're continuing to hone our processes. And the biggest next steps for us is in, in our team having the right people. you've got a great team though where can this yeah. go man <laughs> i mean you are you are already up here and you know i i, I say that, that with a lot of respect and admiration you are at the, you know i see you guys as in the upper echelon so let's hear it man what can you do with your team and really make them better we're a little diverse so we do commercial and residential so we've got some areas we work our butts off here so we work hard play hard and some of us probably I know myself, I've got a lot on my plate and some other team members here have a lot on our plate. So really getting our team a little bit more support as far as some other positions in the company is the next the next big step. So you're us. increasing your org chart and filling some new positions. Yeah, filling new positions. They're not new positions per se. It's really we've got too many pictures of certain individuals boxes. So you're separating out, you're separating some roles yeah. that have been assigned to what exactly. was three roles I, to one person, you know, you're going to fill it up one role, one person. I've got some ideas on that where, you know, in the past we've had full-time team members that were just a manager. And so I'm moving towards in a couple positions, more of like a manager slash supervisor position where, you know, part-time they're in the field, part-time they're in the office. And so kind of going that direction, I think is where we're going to be heading next on, on some of the positions. So and with these forms that we talked about and with these systems, you can start doing that because the management part doesn't take as much bandwidth as it used to. Absolutely. Your managers aren't overwhelmed. And if you can make it yeah. you know, simple and manageable for yourself and systematic, then your managers won't be overwhelmed. So all good stuff from you, Mike. Uh, I think you know, one of the next episodes we'll have to do will be the ultimate org chart 2.0 since the podcast we published back in January was largely on your org chart and you're making some changes to that. So Mike, man, thanks again for joining us today on the Contractor Momentum Podcast. Happy to share. Yeah, absolutely. I'm stoked to be here and grateful, Corey. That's a wrap on this episode of the Contractor Momentum Podcast. If you got something helpful or useful out of this podcast episode, do me a favor here. Pick up your phone, open up the podcast app, whichever one you use, 
iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and give us a review. I love hearing your feedback, and of course, if you have any questions for my guest or myself, head on over to the Contractor Momentum Lounge Facebook group and drop a new post.